Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with James Sykes, CEO at Baseload Energy. We talk about their recent acquisition of Catharsis and also some of the issues they're facing with First Nations. He explains perhaps uh, what they have learnt along the way as a result. We look to the future too. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on the conversations, topics discussed and in the company, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports and analysis. There's commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities, including our weekly Uranium show now in its 51st week. Uh, some fascinating insights there each week. Uh, we've got training courses on there to help you with your diligence process. We've got uh, summaries of all the interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy people. But most importantly of all, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe and friendly environment, free from judgment, trolling and abuse. You should go and join them at crossinvestor.com forward slash club. James Sykes, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Matthew. Thank you very much. And yourself? All good here. All good here. Um, when did we last speak to you? Beginning of December, wasn't it? How's life been? How about that, Life's been great. Snow is gone. So since we last spoke, the snow has melted away, which is very uncommon for this part of the world. But uh, it's been busy. Been Baseload's been keeping me very busy, and I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing with it. Do, do you not like snow? Do, do you not like snow on a on a personal level or on a business level? Funny enough, I love the snow. There's you can do far more in the snow than you can in the summertime, and but it's been slightly cold. I just want to get done with the sun and or get done with the snow and get out in the sun and. Enjoy, enjoy bike rides, enjoy the pool, you know, beaches, water, great things like that. Did that be a long time. Be- beaches is a long way away, especially <laughs> for you Canadians. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we still have two more months probably. Hey, um, good to see you, first of all, because I really enjoyed our last conversation. And we'll put a link to the previous conversation where we talked business plan, strategy, team, and background, and all that kind of good stuff, so people can go and look at that. Um, I called you because I want to talk about your summer exploration plan, okay? So um, let's do it. But before we do, give us that one-minute overview of the business for people new to the story, and I'll, I'll pick it up from there. Yeah, Baseload Energy. We are uranium exploration in northern Saskatchewan, the Athabasca Basin area. We are taking steps outside of the Athabasca Basin in that we are looking for basin rocks where our exploration model, business model, is looking for high-grade uranium that is near surface, that could be open pitable or cheaply mined through a decline scenario. So I quite liked your strategy because it was different last time and you kind of outlined why your strategy was better than the Athabasca Basin type stories. And I was intrigued, right? But I'm looking at the market. Market's done a lot of heavy lifting in terms of share price for a market cap for a lot of companies, uh, Uranian juniors. The Athabasca Basin companies, they're, they're all going through the roof. Have you picked Absolutely. the right strategy? Are you sure you don't need to be in there? I feel pretty confident. You know what? It's it's a new strategy. That's what I really like. Whether it's the right strategy or not, I don't know, to be very honest. But when you see a lot of these recent discoveries that have been made in the past 10 to 20 years, the majority of them are basement posted deposits, and they're not at the unconformity. So that alone opens up this whole new story. And what has been overlooked? And I did, I did a video recently that can be viewed on our website or on the Org Group's YouTube channel where I kind of expressed that what we see nowadays is not the historic extent of the Athabasca Basin. It was probably much larger than what it was. So do you need the Athabasca Basin? If you do, 
that I'm pretty confident that all three of our properties were under that basin during the mineralization event. But now they've all been eroded, which makes it all a lot easier for us in a mining scenario because you don't have to deal with that sandstone. So I, I, I think nature may have worked in our favor, and that's kind of what we're trying to exploit. Right. And, and your big thesis to me was a basin, by definition, collects water, and water is problematic when it comes to mining, especially when we're talking about uranium. Does that still hold true for you, that thought? Absolutely. Yeah. And history speaks for itself. The amount of discoveries made in the Athabasca Basin that have not gone into production from the 70s. Cigar Lake is that great example. 1976, I think it was discovered. Not into production until the 2000s. So that's over 30, 40 years from discovery into production for a mine that produces 15 to 20% of the global uranium production. And it took 30 to 40 years to go into production. That doesn't sound right. Okay? It sounds like there's something flawed there. And again, that comes back to that whole Athabasca situation with the water flowing down. They need the freeze caps. They're expensive. So you, you need a monster. You need a monster deposit discovery or you need really high grades. Or if you're along the, the unconformity, which should be theoretically easier to discover, you can open pit those. But if you're outside of those, you look at one of the most uh, efficient efficient operations, that whole Collins Bay, Eagle Point, uh, Rabbit Lake, Key Lake, all of these things that were open, hittable, or in the basement rocks have been easily mined out. Even Uranium City, 60 million pounds, all underground mining, and it was done. And there's no infrastructure at Uranium City. Like, you can't drive there. So they had to barge everything out, but they still managed to produce 60 million pounds, barge that out bring it to market because it was easier. Well, it's also discovered before the Athabasca deposits, but it was still easier to mine those than to get into the Athabasca deposits. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting. So the, the barriers you're suggesting, one, one, water and everything that that in, implies, and um, two, timelines to approvals. Obviously, you know, time is money, all, all of those wonderful things. And you've also got the issue of, we're going to get topical now, First Nations concerns too. You're experiencing some of that yourself. So you're very cognizant of the damage and delays that that can do. So talk to me about what's going on with you. You, you, You've come up against a bit of a brick wall, haven't you? I wouldn't call it a brick wall at all. You know, times have changed. That's basically what it is. So we're, you know, we're in this, we're in a new reality. And it was kind of, kind of sprung on us that we're, we're used to, at least I'm used to a process for the past 15 years, you apply for your permits, you consult with uh, with the indigenous groups, and everything's pretty well, you know, it, it's straightforward. Uh, I guess now times have changed. Uh, the indigenous do feel that they have been left out of the equation. Uh, we've, you know, we've been very, we've been there at the forefront. As soon as we put in permits, we were in touch with the community right away to bring them along, educate them on what we were doing, how we were doing, and so forth. They just felt that you know, they weren't prepared for us to come in. So you know, things, things happened. Uh, they blockaded our work, unfortunately. But you know, it's, there's, no, there's no animosity between both sides. We are back. Both, both community and baseload and the government are all back at the table communicating nicely. And it looks like... You know, we, we don't have a time frame for how long things could take, but the important part is that we're all back at the plate. We're all working towards the same end goal. 
And for us, that's to get working, but to do so in an environmentally friendly, socially conscious way that the, that the Indigenous groups within, I guess, the, the shadow property more particular, that the Indigenous don't feel that our exploration will impact their, their rights or traditional ends. So that's, that's really you know, how we are trying to approach this whole thing. And just again, yeah, making it making it work for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated because I actually spoke to a lawyer. He qualified in uh, tribal law down, down in the U.S., whereas perhaps not quite as advanced as it is in in Canada. And, the, and we talked at length about the way that you approach these things. I mean, and the order of the way that you approach things. Do you think that? I mean, what are your key learnings? From this process that you've been through and you're now you know entering as well how would you do things differently uh, key learning is just be more patient on my end obviously I, i'm uh, i'm quite an aggressive person i love to explore that's what i do and it's what i feel i'm good at so just basically slowing things down a bit it's very uncommon for me it's a whole landscape of change for me but that's something that i can definitely do uh, again doing things properly going to move things forward is far more valuable than just trying to trying to bull in and rush in. So, yeah, again, just sitting back, just working things through with the First Nations, trying to help educate them into what we do. Because a lot of the problem that we do face is that they consider us to be mining. And when they think of mining, right away, they start thinking of the oil sands in Alberta. Now, you can go into Google Earth and you can see the size differences. Those things... Those oil operations you can see from space. You try to find the mines in Saskatchewan, the uranium mines, they're pinpoints. There's nothing there. So just trying to educate them on that side of things that, you know, what we're doing, first of all, is not mining. We're, we're exploring. Our footprint is tiny. We've taken the approach to doing everything via helicopter as well, so that we're not having any ground impacts. As well as much as possible and a lot of our planned summer exploration is all going to be airborne surveys again we're, we're really trying to lessen our environmental impact on every step that we take on exploration so trying to educate the first nations in in that regards uh, that's you know that's a big step in itself and it's it's not as easy as you'd actually think but then also just trying to realize what is out there what what areas do they use? The waters, um, oh, fishing. How do we affect caribou or sustenance of life? Things like that and foraging. So that's yeah, it's it's just a matter of sitting down, listening, um, you know, trying to come up with some mutually beneficial resolutions, and just again, economic opportunities are there. Uh, just really trying to push the idea of exploration first versus mining or even versus discovery and delineating the deposit because that's there are three different scopes to everything exploration is one thing delineation is another scope you know, once you start getting into the whole mining scenario that's a different scope and you can't you can't treat exploration the same as mining it just doesn't work like that the valuations are different you know the income the income that's that that you can raise off the market when you're, when you're trying to develop something is vast versus what you have for, for exploration budgets. So you can't, you can't make an apples to apples comparison and just really trying to get back to that whole base, uh, that grassroots side of the story and, and really pushing that side and saying, hey, this is all we are trying to do. 
you know, we're, we might even be out of here in two months. Just want to poke a couple holes in, see what's there. But we'll go from there. We'll take every, you know, the way that I've always approached things is you just take step by step. It, it's hard for me to plan six to 12 months down the road, in all honesty, just because one drill hole changes everything. Geophysical survey changes everything. So, I mean, I mean, I'm sort of intrigued in the conversation and because we're only because we've been looking at it a, a lot recently is, you know, using words like we've got to educate them. Like, you know, that's that seems kind of very, you know, top down type of approach. And, and I do appreciate that exploration is different from mining and that, that there's a there's a conversation um, to be had for, for sure. Do you and, and but do you, when you the feedback that you're getting from them, um, is it a conversation of uh, it's respect in terms of the order of play, or is this a financial conversation? Because you mentioned money there. I mean, what, what, what are you sitting around the table discussing? Both, for sure. There's definitely a financial play involved, and that's, that's obvious, and that was always something that we hadn't, had intended to do anyway. Uh, you know, any of our operations, because we're, we're within the traditional areas, is we offer employment opportunities. Plus, we use their, I guess, uh, facilities or whatever. They, I, I guess in the shadow, in the shadow example in particular, uh, we were purchasing fuel, food from the local from the local store. So we were injecting a lot of money back into the into the area. Like we had operated for about a week up there, and half of our workforce were from the community. And a third of the budget that we had injected in that week went directly into the community. So that's, you know, the economic opportunities are there. And that's, that, for me, that's unavoidable. And I don't, I, I don't like using that term in itself because it sounds like it's, it's forced on you. But that's, you know, that's something that I've always strived to do is when you're near these communities, you work with them. You know, it, 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 they are your best resource in a lot of ways. And then, yes, I know that the whole educational part sounds, uh, it, it is top down, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there in general who just think mining is disastrous or exploration is disastrous in general. And these guys walk around with PhDs probably, but no, I don't know. It's, uh, now it's exploration is actually, it's not that bad at all. It's managed well, um, which it typically is. You know, I've seen a lot of great things done in, in Saskatchewan alone, but there are a lot of different facets. Yes, economic is the one way. And I guess the one thing that has been posed to us is just more that environmental concern. That they, you know, moving towards uh, more exploration in the areas, just how do you mitigate uh, the environment? How do you mitigate the effects on wildlife or people's traditional lands? And that's, I guess, where we are at right now is trying to learn those from the community and work with them into blending it into a a foreseeable exploration plan that everyone is is content with okay well let, let, let's part that you say timing wise not sure but you're at the table you're having that discussion both go, local government presumably um provincial government i, I assume you talk about okay. the first nations uh, groups and yourselves okay so you'll advise us as things progress no idea on timing yet yep. so let's let's talk let's talk about um something which you've just put out of press release which is around your exploration plans for the three uh projects athabasca projects right um can we talk about one of them first because it's new from when we when we spoke we didn't really talk about catharsis right i said 
That's quite a that's quite a name. Quite like that. Catharsis. Yeah, it's are you now going through a cathartic process yourself uh, after all of the recent events? You know what? It's uh that's one way of kind of looking at it, but it's actually more of a play along the uranium side and the CO2 effects in the world. Right. That we're we're seeing these negative CO2 effects and nuclear energy is this cathartic movement to remove those negative those negative effects and those negative feelings that people are having. I love it. Did you get to it's name it? Did yeah. you get to name it? Yes. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. It's just, it just that moment on a Friday night with a, with a, with a beer in your hand. I've got it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, catharsis is wonderful. Like, not just name alone. I, I got to admit, it's a huge land package. It, it, it's, a, it's a beast, but that's the way that I prefer to explore because you are looking for these massive scale, these massive regional structures. And catharsis certainly covers a number of them. Uh, we've got we've got three different primal uh, structural elements going on, and these you you can go back and you can relate certain structural elements to Key Lake. You can relate them to Cigar Lake, uh, these big style of deposits. So we see the same type of structures occurring on catharsis. Uh, we've got a lot of interesting geophysics in the area that encourage us that we are in the right area. Uh, but we need more. Unfortunately, we're we're working on we're working on limited information. There have been people that worked in the area in the past, but only just on really our peripheries of the property. I guess the southern and eastern peripheries. There's been been nobody really working towards the west, north, or even central part of the property. Which which there is a lot of joy and a lot of exciting looking geophysical anomalies in there. So we need to follow up with our own geophysics. Uh, detailed, very detailed geophysics and be able to start picking out hey, what is actually going on here. Because I, I can come up with some very crazy geological ideas. They make sense to me. But again, you're, you're working with limited information and geology, you can have, you can have 10 guys interpret, interpret the same thing 10 different ways. So well, well, for, I have my interpretation, my colleagues have their interpretations, and, yeah. you know, but they all look good. Okay, well, one, first of all, well done for not naming it after a lake. That always worries me with mining companies because it just, it, it automatically, psychologically infers problems further down the line with water. Um, we, with regards to that, you, you want to, you want to find more like this? Is that you suggesting that you want to create a larger portfolio of, of assets outside the Athabasca Basin? Yes, at some point we will put, Again, we're not just going to stake ground for the sake of staking ground. We stake ground for for the whole general exploration purpose. We need to stake the ground that looks the most perspective to us. It may not be staking, but we're also open to uh, looking at JVs down the road. But you know, I'd, I'd rather get exploring on our properties first and foremost before trying to put money into another into another venture. Uh, I love all of our properties. We're we're still very bullish on Shadow. We're very bullish on Hook. And catharsis, catharsis was a work uh, basically on many months. I, we, even before, even before everything started with Shadow, we were looking into the catharsis area and also looking you know, north, of, north of the basin. Uh, there are a lot of interesting areas out there that we want to stick with where we think that people have overlooked, where we think that there is that potential for those basement discoveries. And you can take that next gen model and erode the first hundred meters of basement rocks. Your open pit right there. 
And that's, that's what we're looking for. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't have this signature that's screaming at you. You wouldn't have this massive trail of, of, uh, of boulders that you can follow like they did for Key Lake or like they did for PLS. It doesn't always happen. So you don't necessarily need those. So it's the potential for a number of these deposits are out there. And like I said, I, we think that we feel we've got the properties to do so. You can take, take the P2 pod, for example, Okay, MacArthur River's P2 pod. That is the single highest grade nugget out there in the world. Okay, that's what got MacArthur River going. When you start thinking about the dimensions of that, the three dimensions are all less than 100 meters at 25% U308. That's, uh, you, you go tell that to people in the gold industry, the copper industry, you're looking for something that's less than 100 meters in any dimension. They'll say no. That's you know that's not impossible. You consider that the geophysical lines that you typically do in any exploration are either 200 meters or 400 meters apart, meaning they could easily miss capturing such a small little nugget. But that's the possibility that exists out there: is these these tiny little needles in a haystack. Not even needles. They're they're the pinpoints of the needles in a haystack, and you're trying to find these these monstrous deposits i guess they are monstrous in their in their tonnage but just really small volumetrically that's what's that's what's driving us and that's where we feel that this whole athabasca 2.0 approach that's what you're looking for you're looking for these pods the tight pods that could be 25 to 250 million pounds so but, but talking of small you've raised a small amount of money recently about three and a half million bucks your market cap is what about 34 million that, that sort of level at the moment you know people just don't seem to be understanding or buying into that thesis of yours is that fair to say i would definitely say so yeah i think the people that have bought into it uh, they're the guys who who agree with me who follow me and these are the guys who will hold onto the shares for sure but yeah we, we do have a lot of following people who have a lot of respect for what i've done and i have you know i've grown throughout my career i've I am to the point where I am because of what I've done and what I've seen. So that's where I'm hoping that this whole Athabasca 2.0 strategy, I want to prove this. I want to prove this for the people who have committed to us. I want to prove this for the people who are on the fence about us, but also want to prove it for the people who are looking to get into uranium and trying to figure out, well, you know, who do we go into? There's so many people. You've got producers, you've got explorers who already have deposits in the basin, and you've got these these companies are just doing something so radical and exploring well outside of the basin. What's up with that? Well, again, that's the whole reason for it is we're looking for those nuggets and it's not as easy as, as people would think, but we're the company to do it. I feel very strongly. We've got the right technical team behind us. We've got the experience behind us. We've got the ability to think outside the box. We see things differently and that's, that, that, that just comes from my own mind, but also my colleagues as well. I've noticed that from them is that we can see things outside the box and we do it, you know, we've got a very similar thought process involved and it's, it's such a well-formulated team. Okay. Well, okay. Well-formulated team, well-formulated well thinking outside the box. 
um, the um, capability that you've got, but you still got to go and find uranium. Okay, and we've seen the market do a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of the uranium equities. And we're up two, three times across the board. You're up from what were we 43 cents up to 69 cents since we've spoken December. You've had some of the benefit of that. You haven't gone up as much as most relatively. Um, so you've got to talk to us about this unconventional thinking out, out thinking of thinking outside the box approach that you've got with this summer summer program. What are you going to be doing that's different? What are you going to do that actually go find some U308? Okay. Yeah. And that's, oh, to be, to answer one of your questions very quickly though, or to comment on one of your points, we're actually at a buck 20 by the end of December. So we have come down in price, but you know, we're, we're up uh, 1200% last year since our IPO in June. So I should have been talking, to, I should have been I talking was... to you then, but I'm not yeah. talking to you now. <laughs> so r- relative to where your peers are now, you, you know, you've not performed as well. You had, a, you, had a, you had a moment in the sun, great, but this is about the sustained growth. So yep. how do you, how do you prove everyone I'll, wrong? I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I, I think that we are still, you know, I think we're fairly valued with our peers. I still think that with our market cap, um, but I guess the amount of shares that we have outstanding. If we make a discovery, we're going through the roof. We've got the lowest amount of shares outstanding of any of our peers. So I think we've got the best position for to benefit from a discovery. That's that's the real value that we have going to baseload. Like I said, we've got the team to do it. And so with with what we have planned in the summertime, we are taking more of a I, I guess a kind of different approach again. We're focusing more on airborne geophysics why this this why was that do for you why because this uh, this fits with our our thinking of approach like we're, we are trying to be more environmentally conscious but we've also got large land properties that will benefit more from airborne survey you can cover the land in a much smaller time frame you can cover it quite you know at quite decent spacing 400 meters 200 meter line spacing that's actually that's pretty high resolution geophysical service, and they have improved uh, over the last fifteen years that I've been able to work with these surveys. So you get a lot of value from these, and you can really pinpoint targets using airborne geophysics, especially when you're outside of the basin. When you're inside of the basin, it does take a little more work to to get to your drill targets, but there are other there are other uh, caveats that really help uh, exploration in sandstone, but. Airborne surveys for us will get us to the point that we can be drill ready. That's the important takeaway for us. Airborne gravity, airborne magnetics, uh, airborne radiometrics. Radiometrics will help guide our field crews because we do plan on getting boots on the ground out there. We obviously like to see the rocks. Any radiometric anomalies out there, we have to see them right away. Are they they going to be radon seeps coming up through cracks, which is very encouraging? Are they going to be uranium boulders, uranium... Uh, uranium bearing outcrops with veins in them, uh, things like that. So we really want to see what's actually going on in the rocks before we can before we can start drilling. But it's it is a pretty simplistic process for myself. I've worked with this style in the past, and it, it yeah it it gets to drilling quite quickly, and that's what we're trying to get to because obviously nothing speaks better than a drill hole in the ground. But by by limiting our footprint. Uh, by being more cash conservative with our funds. And that's, I guess, another thing that, that we really benefit from doing an airborne survey. 
So when you do an airborne survey in Saskatchewan, you you do all the you do all your exploration work, you file it for assessment credits. Airborne survey actually gives you 1.5 times the amount of assessment credits. So you're putting, you know, you're spending a million dollars, you're getting 1.5 to spend on to to go towards the property, so you can keep it in for longer standing. So that's you know that's a little bit more effective approach and use of our use of our funds as well. That we can put more money towards the property than what we actually have physically available to us. Right. So it's just so, now, there's there's a lot of benefits to it all. Okay. So obviously, given the given the conversations with the First Nations at the moment, things have been delayed on that front. Are are you able to go ahead with the airborne survey, given that you know there won't be boots on the ground? Answer that first. We believe so, and that's airborne surveys are something that don't have to be permitted in Saskatchewan because you're in the air. That's all of our surveys would be operating out of pre-established hubs that have airstrips that are you know, that are locally owned by by the operators of these of these places. So yeah, typically you we've never had to uh, to get permits. We're not looking to get permits for these airborne surveys. So that's. That's okay. just the way the the legalities of it all. So that's and then, but we are we are notifying we are notifying the First Nations that we do plan to do airborne surveys in the area. Okay, that's literally the yeah. next question. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Brilliant. Yeah, we've taken we've taken that proactive approach. Okay. So that's good news. And then the th- the third component to that is you will want to get some drilling done this season, won't you? So absolutely. Again, you can't make that plan, those plans yet. What does that do? How does that impact you operationally not being able to kind of commit to drill crews or the capital to do that or understand the timing? It's frustrating. I won't lie to you about that. But it's just something that we have to work around. So we have to have a number of diff- different contingencies in place, uh, trying to keep as many doors open and as many different outlets open as possible so that if we need to veer off course A and go on to course C right away, then that's something that we can do. So it's just a, a, it's extra planning on our end, and it can be quite cumbersome because you're trying to keep multiple people in the loop about okay, well we can be up here or we need you guys, we need you guys during this month, this week, um, you know we need we need to get all the equipment rented and everything like that. So it's just so it's it's just a little bit more cumbersome on our end, but it's not it's not impossible and it's not. Uh, yeah, it's definitely doable. Okay, so so I mean, shadow seems to be the, the kind of main focus for the, those issues. Um, hook and catharsis. I mean, again, how do you how do you allocate your budget across all three? Because, um, like I said, it's three and a half million bucks you've raised. I mean, so how much cash have you actually got then? Well, we've we've got seven million in the in the bank. We've got six million towards exploration. I'm looking at injecting probably half of that into at least airborne surveys. Again, just a lot of benefits from doing the airborne and that's where we feel that being able to move along well not without sorry you don't need permits for the airborne uh we feel that being able to fly airborne surveys and over these lands uh, won't have any issues with the first nations so we feel that this is that's the quickest approach that we can do so i mean last time we spoke you were also spending time with between apia as well i mean so what how, how have things changed? It's coming to an end. I have been putting more time into baseload, right, rightfully so. This, I guess my last day with Appia will be May 31st. So that's within the next two weeks. And then I'm full-blown baseload. I have been trying to put far more effort into baseload, obviously. It's, uh, we need to get things going for this company and we need to get it going right, rightly. 
but also soon. So. So what are, what are the other things that you're looking at in, in, in corporately or in terms of not just capital structure, but in terms of the way you move this business forward? Because you've got a alternative theory about, um, you know, how this company is going to differentiate itself. And um, it's just sitting just slightly outside the Athabasca basin. Are you looking for strategic partners? Are you... Are you having conversations with you're not not yet okay so not yet. but is it a consideration just to kind of give you the jolt to kind of accelerate things because you, you're clear about what you are capable of what your team's capable of what you think you've got here but with the right strategic it could move things forward a little bit quicker couldn't it it could but then so could uh, our results could move everything forward too which is why we are really trying to push our exploration forward because right now we're at that point where that's all we need to do. We, we, we want to prove our thesis. And if we can do that, that's, that's game changer in itself. Even if we don't prove it right away, it, what we can do this summer will be far more beneficial for us moving forward with this exploration strategy that we don't, we don't need to find the partner. We don't need to find the magical white knight. I think we are very comfortable in what we have uh, with and the ability to raise money, especially now given the uranium markets. It's phenomenal. Well, I see a lot of companies out there raising big bucks. But that's, you know, we're in the market now. I think we are the team to, to push this idea forward. And I think we are the guys who can make that discovery. So it's, uh, like I said, I don't think we need that white knight right now. We're not looking for it. All we're trying to do right now is really get that exploration going. Uh, and then we can then we can expand on the story and we can we can have more to talk about because right now, well, for the past year, we've really been the company that's we have this unique idea. We have this great idea. We've got the right properties. We've got the right people. We just haven't been able to execute yet on, 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 on any exploration booker. So that's where we're hoping. And we're, you know, we're trying to make this as right as possible to see this all happen this summer. So you want this to, is the news that we need to get out there. Yeah, you, you want to do this in the right way. I, I, I understand that. You're a good guy. I get it. Um, but you sort of see people going and raising tons of money um, at the moment because they're able to, because there's, there's a big interest in the uranium space from you know new types of funds, new retail investors, new family offices. And you've raised three and a half, which is all you need. But do you think you could be, should be, uh, and try to be more ambitious with what you've got, given what you're seeing everyone else doing, buying, raising money to buy pounds in the market for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting approach. I wouldn't even know where to start with that. <laughs> that would be a learning curve in itself that I'm not willing to do. Uh, my forte's exploration will be for quite a while. But I, I think what we're trying to do this summer again is, you know, uh, the ambition is there, the drive is there, the funds are there. But we've got we basically got six million to deploy, and I plan to deploy all of that. We're pretty well close to it. Um, airborne surveys, ground reconnaissance, diamond drilling on all the properties. Well, that's pretty active year, and that's that is looking like you between five to six million dollars of exploration in the summer alone. So we, unfortunately, we are just we're at the behest of both the government and uh, the indigenous governments. Okay. Well, like, and then you, you can't move forward without the consent of both. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, James, look, appreciate the update, the honesty as ever. Um, we should speak to each other more regularly than we do. Um, so stay in touch. Let us know how you get on as things move forward. And, and certainly when you've got a, some thoughts about what the Airborne Survey has done for you, I'd love to talk to you again. Thank you. Yep, for sure. And have your guys follow the news because we do plan, like I said, we plan to have a very active summer and hopefully that news will be rolling out. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.